0: Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I ab- 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 abhor the assembly of evildoers, And refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty, in whose hands are wicked schemes. Whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground in the congregation. I will praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Our second reading is from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. I only have the big print Bible on me, which is page 1828. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit.
2: I might think I might just stand here. Is that okay? i we'll cope if I can. I stand here. I feel like. I hope you don't mind that we've. Uh, I made the executive decision to all for all us all to sit together rather than scattered around. It feels a bit more like there's lots of people here, doesn't it? It's nice. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of uh, really um, felt for Glenis having to do that first reading. It's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, maybe we should skip it. We won't, we might just skip this arm. Leave it out. Should we do that? No. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll uh, look at the word God's word together. I think you were given an outline of the talk as you came in. You might like to use that. Uh, let me pray for us, dear Heavenly Father. We do thank you for your word. We thank you that every part of it is uh, is God breathed. Uh, it comes straight from you. And so, Lord, we pray that as we look at uh, this passage this morning, that you might show us how it does indeed speak to us, uh, how we can appropriate the words this psalm um, uh, for for your glory. Uh, and for the good of your kingdom so we ask it in jesus name amen well i wonder if you've ever had a child or been a child um, and you've you've tried to get them to to learn the piano Um, or perhaps they've taken up tennis or something like that and they sit down at the piano and they play and they go i can't do this it's too hard you ever had that experience I have to say that uh, every now and then I try and sit down at the piano uh, and you know, I like to think of myself as a little bit musical but I sit at the piano I just have no idea like you look at the piano music there's four like there's at least four notes to be played at any one time and one of them's going up and then this way I just look I look, look at Clem and I just think my goodness how on earth do you do that it's just incredible uh, he's gone I don't know why Said that about. If it's no point um, saying how good he is, if he's not here anyway. But it's—I I found it difficult, and so I, I don't—I don't bother. It's just too hard. A, a few years ago, a friend of mine uh, tried to teach me how to surf. Uh, we went down to a beach near Wollongong, and uh, gave me a board, and we went there, and for a couple of hours, uh, we were out in the surf, and I tried standing up, and every time I got up, I just went smashed down. never had that experience. Um, it's too hard, and so I've never done it since. Because I figure, I'm just never going to be able to do this. I'm not very good with balance, that kind of thing, and and there's no balls involved, so why would you bother anyway? So it's hard. Maybe you've had that kind of experience. You've tried to do something, and you you look at those people who can do it really well, and you think, my goodness, I'm never going to be that good. And so you just give up. Well, sadly, um, there are some people... This is often an experience that Christians have. Um, they look at other Christians, they look at people in the Bible, and they go, look, I can never be like that. I can never be that good. Uh, I can never be like Jesus. I can never be like Paul. Um, they're just so holy, and I'm not. And then, of course, um, you get uh, passages like we had today, Psalm 26, which make it even worse. Don't, you? don't Let me read to you the first three verses and see if this describes you. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trust in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love, and I have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. In verse 11, I lead a blameless life. Who can put your hand up and say, that just describes me to a T? Anyone? Just, just Claire and me. Yeah, okay. Um, It's it's like it's a bit like it's this is like the Mary Poppins Psalms I reckon like whoever wrote this is practically perfect in every way they 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 never do anything wrong and how can how can I how on earth can I relate to something like this. But then, of course, uh, there are other passages of the Bible that make me feel even worse. So in, in Ma- Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, um, this is a great verse to have um, up uh, over your fridge uh, or over your, your cooker to remind you each day. Uh, Matthew five forty-eight: Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Not, much of a, not very difficult. Not much of a tall order. Um, and then there's one Peter one uh, verse fifteen, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. So just like God's holy, just be holy like God. Pretty easy, pretty simple. I don't know about you, but I read those psalm that, that I read this psalm and I read those verses and I think, look, I might as well just chuck it in. There's no way I can do that. There's no way I can be holy like Jesus. I can be perfect as God is perfect. Fortunately, they're not the only verses in the Bible because, uh, well, there are a couple of others. As you read through other Psalms and as you think about the person who wrote this Psalm, Psalm 26, have a look at Psalm 26. Who is it who wrote this Psalm? David. Now, does anybody know anything about David? Would you describe David as someone who's practically perfect in every way? No, of course not. We know about David. We know that the person who wrote this psalm is the same person who had an affair with Bathsheba and had her husband killed so that she, he could marry her. In some ways, he was a bit of a scoundrel. He did some terrible things. Uh, but of course, uh, this same David, uh, in other psalms, says something very different. He says uh, in Psalm 143 verse 2, "No one living is righteous before you. No one living is righteous." Uh, in, in Psalm 14, verse 3, there is no one who does good, not even one. Now that I can relate to. <laughs> I don't know about you. Uh, there's no one who does good, not even one. And when you get to the New Testament, uh, that uh, idea is picked up. So uh, Paul, in Romans 3, verse 10, quotes Psalm 14. Uh, he says, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one who does, No one who's perfect. No one who lives up to this psalm. And, of course, in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, uh, John actually says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And so if we were to stand up, unlike Glenis, and say, this psalm describes me, I am perfect, I am blameless, then uh, we're, we're fooling ourselves, we're kidding ourselves. There's no way that we can be like that. So the question is, why on earth is this psalm here at all? I mean, we should Should we just chuck it out? Maybe it was just written by Dave when he was a teenager. You know when people are teenagers? Apologise to any teenagers in the room. Uh, the, you know, teenagers are perfect in every way, um, in their own minds. There's that classic um, statement that, uh, you know, when, when I was uh, 21, uh, I, th- I thought my dad knew nothing, and then now, 20 or 30 years later, I look back and realise he's learned a lot. Um, that, And that's the way sometimes teenagers, young people, see themselves, uh, but... And so maybe this is David, you know, when he was a shepherd boy, sitting out in the fields, he sees himself as perfect, sees himself as blameless, but he's just naive. and just foolish. And so really this psalm doesn't really deserve to be in the Scriptures because it just doesn't describe us. It doesn't describe anyone. Should it be there? Well, you might be tempted to throw it out, but before we do, just before we do get the scissors out or, or the liquid paper out and wipe it out, um, it is important for us to realise that actually there is someone who, for whom this, this psalm is true. There is someone who could who could actually read this psalm aloud and it be a perfect description of them. Who am I talking about? Uh, the hard question, isn't it? Uh, of course I'm talking about Jesus. This psalm perfectly describes Jesus. Uh, actually, as you read through the New Testament, a, couple, a number of times in the New Testament, we're reminded about Jesus' perfection. So in 1 Peter 2 verse 22, Peter writes, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. No deceit was ever found in Jesus' mouth. Uh, In 1 John 3 verse 5, In him is no sin. In Jesus is no sin. And in Hebrews 4 verse 15, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And so a few times in the New Testament, we're reminded that actually this psalm is true of Jesus. He was perfect. Not just practically perfect, but actually perfect in every way. Um, why is that important? Is it important that Jesus was perfect? You know, it's something that Christians say, but is it, a, is it a really important thing for us to believe? Is it one of those things we kind of go, "Oh yeah," you know, nudge nudge, wink wink, he was perfect in every way, sure, like all the rest of us. Um, does it matter that Jesus was perfect? Well, of course, it does matter that Jesus is perfect. It's really, really important because nothing less than our salvation hangs on it. If Jesus was not perfect, our salvation would not be able to be. See, think about it logically. Um, If Jesus had sinned, if Jesus had not been perfect, if he had sinned at some point in his life, what would be the consequence of that? Well, people would say he wasn't God. Exactly. Exactly. Because when we sin, the wages of sin is death. And so when Jesus died, he would be dying his own sin, dying for his own sin. He would be just like the rest of us, worthy of judgment. But because he is perfect, because he is totally clean, totally righteous, because this psalm totally speaks truly of him, then he can offer himself as a perfect sacrifice. And so again and again in the, Old Testament, in the New Testament, we're reminded that Jesus Jesus' righteousness is actually given to us. So in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, we're told, Jesus Christ has come be, has become for us wisdom from God, I, that is, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Because of him, we can be righteous, we can be holy, we can be redeemed. In Hebrews, um, in Hebrews oh, sorry, 9, uh, we're told that the blood of Christ, um, who offered himself unblemished to God, cleanses us, from the acts that lead to death, so that we may, may serve a living God. So Christ's death cleanses us. And finally, uh, in Romans 3, verse 20, uh, we read this beautiful passage a righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ to all believe has come to us. So a righteousness comes to us from God. You see, what's happened is that Jesus on the cross does this amazing transaction. You know, we, we often talk about Jesus taking our sins to the cross, don't we? That when Jesus dies on the cross, he takes away our sin. Right? You've heard that expressed? Yes? Just nod. Yep. Even if you're asleep, just nod. (laughs) Um, uh, Jesus takes away our sin, and he does indeed do that. But when there's something else going on, there's actually a transaction going on because our sin is being put on him, but his righteousness is being put on us. On the cross, We actually receive God's righteousness through faith. And so the first couple of chapters of Romans are all about the fact that we can't be righteous on our own. We can't be perfect. We cannot fulfill this psalm on our own. But through Jesus, this now becomes true of us. We now are righteous. We now are blameless. And so actually this psalm does describe us. Because when God looks at us, he looks at righteousness. His own righteousness has been put on us. Isn't that astounding? Isn't that amazing? So like Glenis, when I first read this psalm, I thought, well, this, this is not me. But actually, this is me. And this is you. You are righteous. You are clean. You are perfect. Because Jesus has taken away all the things that make you imperfect. He's taken away all the sin, uh, all of the, the thing that separates us from God. Now we are good enough for God because Jesus has made us good enough. Isn't that amazing? And so actually this psalm, although it's, it's kind of uh, scary to look at and you kind of think, well, how does this relate to me? Actually, this does describe us. And so we read this psalm and we should, be re- we should rejoice because God has made us like this so that we can actually read this psalm with our heads held high, not with, not with shame and kind of embarrassment, but actually know, yes, this is me. And so when we stand before God, we will stand before God clean because of Christ. It's an amazing, amazing gift. But this, this, So this psalm is a great encouragement. But it's also a great challenge in this psalm. You see, throughout the scriptures, there's this this call for for God's people to be holy. You see there in Leviticus, that's what all the laws are about Um, in Deuteronomy. uh, It's there in 1 Peter, one, be holy as God is holy. holy. Throughout Paul's letters, um, over and over again, there's a call for us um, to be holy, to take off the the clothes of this world and to put on God's clothes, to take off um, the the way of the flesh and to put on the, the fruit of the Spirit. Over and over we receive this call, this gold standard, if you like, of what it's like to be holy. And we're called to be holy. But the problem is it's so hard for us, isn't it? And we look at it, we look at this gold standard and we think, I can't do this. And so we feel like the child who's sitting there at the piano going, it's too hard. It's too hard. I, I, I will never do this. I'll never be perfectly holy. So we feel like throwing the music on the ground and just storming out. But actually, God calls us. He knows that we're not perfect. God knows that we won't ever achieve perfection. He knows we'll fall. That's why throughout the scriptures we're reminded that when we do fall, we just need to come back to God and he'll restore us. He'll pick us up again. When we do hit a wrong note, he will point our fingers to the right direction. He will, he will help us to move forward, step by step, bit by bit. And so we don't have to be Beethoven, we don't have to be Roger Federer the first time we start to walk in, as, in our Christian walk. But we just need to keep on walking. One step, one step, one step. Don't feel like, well, I can't reach the end, because Christ will take you to the end. So you don't need to look at this psalm and think, well, I can't do this, and so I'll give up. No, it's actually a challenge for us. And just like when you're teaching someone to play the piano, you say, this is the tune I want you to play. And you might, they might listen to it and say, this is what I want you to sound like. This is where you're aiming for. Or when you're starting to play tennis, you might watch the Australian Open and see Roger Federer and all that kind of stuff. Um, and say, well, this is, this is what you could be like. All you need to do is practice and practice and practice and move forward bit by bit by bit. But we don't have to rely on our own strength to get there. We know that Christ will get us there. So... What, is it, what, a, what a help is this psalm um, to us apart from having this thing off in the distance? Well, one of the things that I think it does, it does give us a bit of a hint. There's a few, few ideas. Not, it's not uh, exhaustive by any means, but uh, there are a few ideas about how we can do that. There's three things uh, in this psalm um, that, that I think we're, we'll just look at them really, really quickly. The first one's there in verse 1 and verse 3. He says, I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. In verse 3, I have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. Um our hope is not in our own ability to be good enough for God, to be holy enough. But what we need to learn to do is to trust. We need to trust God. Um, I don't know if you, you're one of those people who makes New Year's resolutions. Um, they're quite popular um, this time of year. Uh, and people often make resolutions about being the best, the best me I can be. And that's that's all lovely and good to do and, and fine. I don't want to criticize anyone for doing that. But um, one of the things as a Christian that we should our, one of our New Year's resolution as a Christian should be to learn to trust God more, to open up myself to trust God, to look for my security in Him, not in my bank accounts or not in my investments or not in my stable home life or in my health or uh, my abilities or whatever it might be. Put our hope and our trust in Him for God's love and God's truth to be the things that we walk in, not in the world's love or the world's truth, but to walk in God's love, God's truth, in verse 3. Uh, we need to trust in him. When we trust in him, then, of course, we can cry out to him. So verse 9 to 11, he talks about the, the sinful out there, and he says, Is it, he wants God, God, God protect me uh, when, I, you know, when I'm in a world that's, that's surrounded by sin, when I'm surrounded by sin. And he knows that when I trust in God, that then my feet will stand on level grounds where the psalm ends. I can, I can be on a rock, that is God, and all these other things will swirl around me, um, if only I will trust in him. So this year, the first thing we get this psalm is, is there something that you need to trust God more in this year? Is it something to do with your job? Is it something to do with your health? Uh, I've got to, uh, got to have a hip oration later this year sometime, um, and I don't know when it's going to be or what it's gonna, whether it's going to work or not, and it's a temptation for me to go, oh, I'm really not sure. But it's also an opportunity for me to trust God. And so maybe there's something like that in your life. Maybe there's something in your family. Maybe there's a relationship that's breaking down or, uh, or some sort of difficulty you're having at work. Uh, where do you need to learn to trust God this year? Where's something that you can open yourself up to God more uh, in 2019? So the first one is to, the first challenge here is to trust God. The second one is to shun evil. So in verse 4 and 5, uh, he says, I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. Um, it's very much like uh, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who doesn't uh, walk in the counsel of the ungodly or uh, stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of, seat of mockers. Um, now, you've got to be careful as you read this. He's not saying that we should never, like, if you're on a train, before you sit down, you should say, excuse me, are you a sinner? Because I can't sit next to you, it says in Psalm 26. Um, that's not what it's talking about. It's not saying that you kind of to separate yourself totally from the world. Because to do that, you'd actually have to go and live in a little cave somewhere, um, A, to separate yourself from everyone else, but also to separate you from every, like, so that people don't have to spend time with you. Um, because we're all sinners. Uh, and so it's not that it's not talking about... Totally separate becoming a monk or something what it's saying is it's saying not to walk where they walk not to sit in in their 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 seat of of mocking uh looking look at the world that they the way they look at it not to put myself in their shoes as it were and to see the world through their eyes um now it's good to, that, to empathize with people but not to follow their example and so uh, it's okay to be uh, in a in a cutthroat uh, industry like the um, finance industry, uh, where people are kind of tearing each other down, and you'll see that. But in the midst of it, not to become like them. So you can't don't separate yourself from that world, but in that world, be different when you're um, talking to people over the, the, uh, the, front, the back fence or at the at top gate of school, um, it, you'll, you'll be there and there'll be people gossiping about others and saying, well, did you hear what this person did? Um, we shouldn't separate ourselves from people, but we shouldn't take part in the way they live. That's what he's talking about there, is turn your back on evil. And so being different in the world. Jesus prays for the disciples, not that God would take them out of the world, but he would, that he would hold on to them while they're in the world. And so the second challenge in this psalm is to to be different, to to separate yourself from the way the world lives. So again, is there something in your life that uh, that you feel needs to change? Is there a way in which your life has become a bit like the world that you've become a bit indistinguishable, um, in a bad way, not in a good way, in a way that uh, where you're actually partaking in things that you know that God would not be a, uh, find. Uh, would approve of a living a life as as Colossians said that is worthy of the Lord. Um, are there things that need to go from your life? Whether it's uh, something to do with computers, whether you're um, uh, viewing pornography, or whether it's something to do with your your career where you're just where you are pushing using it uh, as a, as an escape from reality or from from your family or from serving God. Is there something that you need to turn your back on? So trust God, shun evil, and finally, give glory to God. So you see in verse 7, a number of times in the verse 7, I go back to your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. And in, uh, in, in verse 12, in the great congregation, I will praise the Lord. David loves to sing praise to God. He loves to acknowledge that everything he has and everything he does comes from God. And I wonder if that's you, uh, whether you love to praise God. How do you feel about coming to church on Sunday morning? Uh, How do you feel about being with God's people, being part of a growth group, being part of the Bible study group? How does that make you feel? Does it feel like, oh, Sunday morning, I better get up and go to church? Um, Or is it, here's an opportunity for me to meet with other people who also want to praise God? Because God is so awesome. Um, this psalm challenged us to change our way of thinking about our worship of God, to let our lives be filled with thankfulness and joy and praise to God. It's hard when you're tired, I know. It's hard when you're busy. But that's, it's those times when we really need it, isn't it? And so I want to encourage you this year to think about the way you look at Church. And you know we've seen over the last couple of years, um, you know, people have drifted away from church. And that's a sadness. Quite often it happens because people, they, they stop coming once, uh, they miss one, a week, and then they miss, later on they miss a couple of weeks, and then later it's three weeks, and then four weeks, five weeks, ten weeks. Uh, and then it's been six months or a year since I've been in church. Let me encourage you not to give up Mean together, as the writer of the Hebrews says, but all the more gather together, encourage each other. Praise God together. That's why we're here. That we might honor God this psalm is a challenging one isn't it uh, You look at it and you kind of think, man uh, I can't do that but it actually should also be a really encouraging one. I hope that as you look at this psalm now you can you can see the encouragement a reminder of the, the blessing of Christ's sinlessness because Jesus has fulfilled this has fulfilled this psalm we now fulfill this psalm that he has made us clean he's made us new since he's made us new. Let's be those new people. Let's be the people that we were created to be. Let's live a life of holiness. Let's be holy as God our Father is holy. Let's be perfect as God our Father is perfect. Let's follow that example. Let's follow that gold standard step by step by step until Christ takes us home. Let me pray. Dear Lord God, we do praise you for this psalm. It is a beautiful psalm. Um, it's a challenging one, but it's a, it's a beautiful one. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would help us to live out this psalm, to be holy as you are holy. Father, we thank you for Jesus who has taken away our sin, but also given us his righteousness. And so, Lord, that, Lord that's just amazing to us, that you now see us as clean and new and fresh. We are a new creation. And so, Lord, help us to be the creation you, you've made us to be. Help us to live this out, we ask, uh, this day, this week, uh, this year, and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.